CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Dishing with Digest. I'm Stephanie Sloan, Editorial Director, here with Mara Levinsky, Executive Editor. Hi, everyone. Well, Mara, the big news this week is the announcement of the nominees for the 50th Annual Daytime Emmy Awards. There were a lot of great names on the list, so I'm going to run through the acting categories quickly for anyone who didn't see it yet. So for lead actress, it's Bold and Beautiful's Jacqueline McInnes-Woods, Steffi, and GH's Finola Hughes, Anna, against Young and Restless's Sharon Case, Sharon, Melissa Clear Egan, Chelsea, and Michelle Stafford Phyllis. In the lead actor hunt, there's B&B's Torsten Kay, Ridge, up against Daisy's Billy Flynn, Chad, GH's Maurice Bernard, Sonny, and YNR's Peter Bergman, Jack, and Jason Thompson's Billy. In supporting actress, it's B&B's Krista Allen, Taylor, and Daisy's Stacey Hyduk, Kristen, up against a trio of GHers, including the late Sonia Eddy, who played Epiphany, Brooke Kerr, who plays Portia, and Kelly Tebod, who played Britt. In supporting actor, there is one lone non-GH actor in there, which is Dan Furigal, Daisy's EJ, vying for a trophy along with Nick Chavez, who plays Spencer, Chad Duell, who plays Michael, Robert Gossett, who plays Marshall, and John Lindstrom, who plays Kevin and Ryan. For younger performer, the rules have changed from 25 and under to 18 and under, which I feel is very significant. So there's Carrie Christopher, who plays Daisy's Thomas, and Victoria Grace, who plays Wendy, Eden McCoy, who's GH's Jocelyn, and Henry Joseph. Joseph Samiri, who plays Bold and Beautiful's Douglas. And finally, in guest performance, we have Steve Burton, who is Harris on Days and got his nod for Beyond Salem Chapter 2, and Kevin Spiritus, who reprised the role of Days' Craig, Cassandra Creech, who is Bold and Beautiful's Grace, Allie Mills, who stepped in as General Hospital's Heather, and Robert Newman, who played YNR's Ashland. I think this is a pretty wonderful list that is a great combination of like outstanding veteran talent and some first-time honorees, and certainly is just a fabulous cross-section of talented performers. Performers. A couple of things that jumped out to me, uh, Steve Burton's nomination means that he has now been nominated for all three of the daytime roles he has played. He has won previously for GH's Jason and YNR's Dylan. I was excited to see Dan Furigal, who's done such great work on days, receive his very first nomination. Ditto Ali Mills, who really took General Hospital by storm last year when she was cast as Heather Weber and is also a first-time nominee. But I think the most emotional reaction I had was to Brooke Kerr receiving her first nomination. So I have been a fan of hers since her Passions days as Whitney, but I feel that the role of Portia has allowed her to really show viewers the full range of her abilities. And I just think it's such a beautiful success story. I mean, 
here's this actress who we met when she was a basically a newcomer to the industry back in 1999, playing the high achieving daughter of a doctor. She was off of daytime for the better part of 15 years and then basically reintroduced herself to the soap world, now playing the doctor mother of a high achieving daughter and doing it so beautifully that she has now earned herself a nomination in this very competitive category. I just feel like there are so many great actors to root for here. You know, so many people we know to be hardworking and kind and uh, that it's going to be like an emotional and powerful ceremony. I just feel like my heart is very, very full. I'm just so happy for so many people. Oh, me too. And, you know, you hit on so many great points. I mean, I will admit that there have been times in the past where I've looked at the list and, you know, shaken my head over certain categories, but not this year. You know, I feel it's a strong list of talented, deserving performers. I am especially thrilled for Torsten Kay, who I feel does everything with such ease and skill and finesse that you almost forget he's acting in a way and possibly could have been overlooked in the past. Uh, Melissa Claire Egan had such a powerful storyline and did such amazing work with Chelsea Suicide Attack. And, you know, you have to include Jason Thompson right along with her because he was such an integral part of that tale. Um, but I'm also happy for Kevin Spiritus, who came back to Days to play the story of Craig coming out. And while there were definitely moments played for comedy with Greg Rickhart's Leo, uh, Kevin got some really great scenes to play within that. And it's just so nice to see him being rewarded. You know, I'll tell you a funny story. Last year, I fired off congratulations to Nicholas Chavez so quickly upon his nomination in the younger performer category, which of course he went on to win, that I ended up being the person that he heard the news from. And he did some sort of Zoom interview where he was asked uh, how he'd found out. And he said something like, oh, it, it wasn't glamorous at all. I got a text from Mara at Soap Opera Digest. And I saw just that little bit clipped on Twitter. And I replied like, excuse me, not glamorous. And I was, of course, totally kidding. I was not offended in the least, but this is how freaking sweet Nicholas Chavez is. Within seconds, my phone was ringing and it was him. And he was like so genuinely worried that he'd hurt my feelings. And I was like, Nick, I promise you, I am so sorry. I made you think that even for a second, I am not upset at all. Anyway, heart of gold, that kid. And when I texted him congratulations this year, I was very deliberate to give it some time so that the news was not coming from me. Uh, but to your earlier point about the shift in age rules for the younger performer category, he was not eligible uh, in that slot this year because he had aged out of it. And I think that just makes it all the more impressive that he did score a supporting actor nod. You know, any GH viewer can tell you that there is a lot of very important story resting on his shoulders and he brings it with a capital B. Um, first of all, I could not love that story more. And I mean, he does indeed, as does his equally talented co-star, Tabiana Ali, who plays Trina. And I wouldn't be surprised to see her on the list next year. She is also our guest today. So let's get her on the line to see how her Port Charles experience is going so far. Hi, Tabiana. Hi. Hi, everyone. How are you doing? I am doing beautifully. Today is a good day. Well, we are so thrilled to have you here. Um, needless to say, our sound off inbox is flooded with pro Sprina letters. <laughs> I have not seen anyone more excited about a couple in, than, than this one in a very long time. Oh my goodness. I'm so grateful. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So I imagine we also have some very excited listeners. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so we are going to start with your early childhood. You are a proud Texas native and your creativity presented itself at a very young age. So tell us what you were like as a little girl. Oh, as a little kid, I was always dancing and twirling and 
using my imagination as much as I possibly could. I was um, writing short films and scripts and I actually had a, a Mac, um, a MacBook. And I would record myself and my dog, Peanut, um, dancing around in our living room and just like, just making up videos. Like I just was doing it all the time. I had like about maybe 10,000 videos, no exaggeration on that computer. And I wish I could open that computer up again to see what I was like when I was younger, but unfortunately it's broken. One day we will fix it and I will be able to get in there. Um, but yeah, I was always being very creative and dancing and singing and performing. Uh, I just came out the womb basically with the microphone. and. <laughs> <laughs> so you got your first agent when you were still living in Texas. I think it was like circa 2013, you've told me. So explain to us like what led you to that point and how you got into a position to even be meeting with an agent in the first place. I, I know I went and I did a lot of classes and I did um, the audition that I did uh, got, you know, noticed. And then I think I just had a list of agencies you know, that I could have picked and chosen from. And then I went out with my mom and we picked Call Your Talent. And it was, you know, kind of something like that, I think, if I can, if that's correct. I'm probably gonna have to ask her. <laughs> well, what do you remember about your first TV auditions, you know, which took place while you were still living in Texas? Oh my goodness. Wow, I don't think I, that was so long ago. I was seven years old. Um, yeah, so my mom's my mom's right here. She's telling me that you auditioned for somebody up there likes me. Somebody up there likes me up there. Yeah, somebody up there likes me, and um, it was like a background role. It was for a feature film, um, and I think they just kind of like took my headshot and was like, "Yeah, we like you." Called my mom, and it was so funny how that um, shooting process went. Um, because we had to be at the pool and be all cute or whatever. And um, I got my hair straightened. And if you know anything about little black girl's hair, when you get your hair straightened, you're not supposed to get it wet, right? Um, so my mom, she told me before I went on the set, she's like, do not get your hair wet. Do not jump in that pool. We just spent this amount of money on your hair. So do it. I was like, you got my mom, you got my, my honor mom, scouts honored. I won't get in that pool. I went straight over there. I looked at her and then I looked at the pool and I said, well, they told me to get in. So I jumped in. <laughs> and I completely messed up my hair that I just got done. And I was, it was like in a really big fro my mom was like, I could, I could, I couldn't even see her, see her, but I could feel her energy being like, oh my God, oh my God, I can't believe that. I can't believe she just did that. Uh, so it was, it was so much fun for me. I look back on it and I was like, I had a blast. My mom looks back at it. She's like, I can't believe I spent that much money for her just to jump in. Yeah. Well, good training for the Metro court scenes, if nothing else. Yes, it really is. <laughs> So you and your mom moved to California when you were around 11 years old to pursue your acting career. So was were you nervous about making such a big move or were you just mostly like excited to launch into that phase of your career? I think I was, I don't know if I was necessarily uh, nervous. I think I just felt like it, it was something I, I should do and something that felt part of my journey. I don't know why I was so self-aware at that 
at that young time, but I just felt like it was necessary to do. And I was just very, um, I was excited to, to start going on in this journey. I mean, I didn't think I would be out here as long as I was. I didn't, I didn't know what to expect. I was just having fun. I was only 11, um, 10, 11 years old. And it was just my mom and I, and um, the classes that she put me in was like dancing and singing. And then we got straight into um acting classes and stuff like that I, and I was just trying to have as much fun as possible you know mm-hmm. well what was it like to even just make the move to Los Angeles was there a culture shock like was it like to make friends you were young yeah it was kind of a little harder to make friends because I was homeschooled um I didn't go back into a public school I mean I was I was homeschooled from like I think fourth grade and then I went back fifth grade and then sixth seventh eighth grade I was homeschooled. Um, but so during that time, it was, um, it felt a little, uh, a little hard, but um, I was meeting people like the classes I was going to, I was meeting people and I was hanging out with them, but I still felt kind of, I don't know. I was, it was a little, I was, I wasn't shy, but I was shy. There were some people I was shy with and other people I was shy with. And then some people are like, oh my gosh, she is so talkative and so outgoing. And then other people are like, she's kind of meek and doesn't say a lot, you know? So I had those two groups of people telling me different things. Um, but, you know, I think I had fun. It was a lot of fun doing plays and, you know, trying to learn a new environment. I don't even think I fully understand culture shock at that time. Sure. You know, I was like, we're in a new place. This is LA. Yeah. You know? <laughs> me and my mom are just out here. And I I got to stay with my great aunt, my mom and I. We stayed with my great aunt for probably a year or two. Um, so we did have somebody and she was able um, to at least give us pointers and steps around LA. So, you know, uh, it was fun. Um, I think for most people listening, it's very hard to imagine being an 11 year old pursuing any kind of career, much less one in showbiz, you know, how, how did you balance school and hobbies and, and trying to establish yourself professionally all at the same time? Yeah, well, I wouldn't have been able to do it without my mother. So really, we should be talking to her. <laughs> um I think it was, oh, I mean, like it just, I think that's in some way any kid. Um, like when they have school and have hobbies and trying to maybe add like tutoring or something else, like our add classes. My mom tried to make it as normal as possible. And I thought of it as normal. You know, it wasn't like it wasn't like um, if I was doing I mean, it's grand. It is what I'm doing is very grand. But for me, it just felt like my everyday. You know, I've been doing it since I was seven in some way. So it just felt like, you know what I do in life. I go to school, then I have to go to acting classes, go to auditions, come back home, do more school, then I have to go do a dance class or something like that. It was just, that was just my life. You know, it was, I didn't know any differently, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, what was the first job you booked in Los Angeles? The first thing I booked, uh, the first show that I booked was When Lose a Draw that was on Disney Channel. Um, And it was a game show. And I got to um, meet Cameron Boyce and uh, Peyton Liss. And we got to team up and play this game. It was so much fun. I was a whole crackhead during that time. I don't know. They fed me so much candy. Like they needed our energies to be pumped and high or whatever. So that just kept feeding me candy. And at that time, I'm like, candy is my weakness. Give me some Sour Patch Kids and some Skittles. 
I'll do whatever, you know? <laughs> uh, but it was so much fun. It was like colorful and bright. I wish they still were doing it. Um, Cause I think it, it's just so, it was so fun and so cute, especially for kids. Uh, but that was my, my first job. When you didn't get a role that you've gone out for, like, how did you handle that? Like rejection is, is never fun. And there's just so much of it that kind of comes with the territory of the industry that you're in. Yeah. Um, again, I've been doing it since I was seven. I just felt like it was part of the territory. Um, I remember my mom before even coming to LA, there's this one memory I have and she was telling me like, how do you feel that, you know, you might not get this part. Um, you know, you can't, I don't, I don't want you to feel bad. And I'm like, I don't feel bad. It just is what it is. And I can't really, I can't be, uh, I can't be stuck on it. You know, I got to keep going. That's, that's kind of like the whole point of this world. I think, again, don't know how I kind of knew that at that time, but it didn't affect me like that. There's obviously some jobs that like crushed me. Like when I got to like, what, um, producer sessions or the screen testings and I it was down to me and one other person those were the things that probably like hurt me the most because I felt like dang I was right there and I was so close but I was like I, I I would look at those situations and say you know what what this shows me is that I'm still wanted maybe not for this show but in general they had the idea of considering me they still mm -hmm. felt like you know what she could possibly be someone we're looking for um and we had a lot of moments like that where it was be down to the screen testing and it's me and one other person and it's not me, you know. Um, and I, I say that's OK. And I, I look at those times and I say I probably wasn't 100 percent ready. Um, there are some things that I need to work on, some things that I needed to learn. Um, and ultimately, it made me a better actress. Mm -hmm. Well, it seems like when you're breaking into the business, a lot of the jobs you were sent out for were comedic. So was that something that you were like cool about or were you frustrated because you kind of wanted to do more dramatic roles too? No, I was never frustrated with it. Well, I'm not going to say never because there was a point where I started to be like, I want to be taken seriously. But uh, from my younger days, no, I was always known as just being funny and I loved being the lighthearted character or somebody that can put a smile on your face. Um, so I, I never felt any type of way about it until I think I started seeing some of my friends go out for roles that were a little more hard hitting, you know, and I was like, well, am I going to be anything more than just funny? And a lot of people told me, like, it's 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 easy to be taught drama, but it's harder to learn comedy. Um, because there's always timing and pacing and stuff like that. So they're like, really, you got an upper hand because um, comedy, that's the one that people might reach for and, and may not be able to entirely grasp. But drama, you can be taught that. And so going to classes and meeting teachers, they really showed me how to hone my um, my drama and really learn to take from experiences and put them into those places. So I, I now I see that I can do both. And so I'm very happy about that. Um, and I'm ready to explore both. And I'm, I'm really actually excited to get back into comedy and do a comedy show. I would love, love to do like a sitcom or I would love to do anything that um, to make people laugh. I'm, I'm just ready to do that, too. Mm -hmm. 
So it was in 2017 that you auditioned for the first time for the role of Trina on General Hospital. So were you familiar with the show at that time? Like was soap watching part of your family's routine at all? Uh, a bit. I mean, it was my great grandmother, my grandmother and my mother. They all watched General Hospital. I didn't get to watch a lot of it, but I definitely knew of it. Um, so it was such a full circle moment at the time when I got General Hospital or, or at, at least auditioned for General Hospital. And I do remember the first time I auditioned for uh, General Hospital, I auditioned for Trina. Um, I was with um, I was auditioning with Mark Teschner. And um, he, I think he complimented either my dress or my shoes. And I thought like, eh, I didn't bring enough energy. So maybe, maybe it's not going to go anywhere. And I think I actually messed up on a line, if I remember, because I went back and I talked to my manager about it. And um, I was like, oh, I think I blurbed on something. And he's like, it's okay. You still good. You still did good or whatever. Um, but yeah, it was, I, I remember that so vividly um in the office and the room and everything it, it was so full circle mm -hmm. yes uh did you meet Sydney Michaela who ultimately was the first trainer at that time we met at a producer session um and I remember her going in before me and I could hear her through the door because they they take us somewhere else and they sit us down on a couch and then they take one girl into another room and I could hear her audition. I was like, oh, she's really good. She's really good. Um, and so I was trying not to feel discouraged by that. Um, and I was like, I'm still going to give it my all. Uh, and then I went in and, you know, we passed each other. We're like, good luck, good luck, you know. Um, and then actually we saw each other right after that audition at uh, Universal Studios at CityWalk. And she just, she happened to be there. And I think um, the guy who used to play Oscar, I don't remember his name, but he played Oscar. He was there. So I was like, oh my God, I know you. And then I saw her and I was like, oh my God, I know you. And we were like, congratulations or like, good luck. And like, I hope you get it. She's like, well, I hope you get it. And like, we just gave hugs and stuff like that. So it was, it was, uh, it was really cute. That is really cute. So were you bummed when Sydney got the job or was it like just one of those things? Like, again, you'd come really close that showed that you, they clearly saw your potential and so forth. I don't think, no, I think I'm really proud of her. You know, I, I only know so much about her and we've only seen each other in passing, but I'm really proud of her that she made this what it is. And I don't think I would be here if it wasn't for her, you know? So I can't, I, I was not upset or disappointed. I was like, if that's, if it's her time to shine, then it's her time to shine. She's supposed to, that's how it's supposed to happen right now, you know? So, um, no, I, 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 I'm very happy for her. I was very happy when she got it. Fabiana, you have such a good head on your shoulders. She's supposed to be troubled. You were a child actor. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> well, you've said before that looking back, you don't know that you were ready for General Hospital at that time. So what does ready mean to you in that context? Emotionally. Also, um, taking on such big responsibility as to managing my time and making sure that I have this character down right. Mm -hmm. um, I've talked about it before where I've had depression and stuff like that. And in some ways I was still dealing with it. I think with, with General Hospital, on top of what I was feeling emotionally, I don't think I would have been in a, in a safe headspace. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that would have created for me in lack of work, um, not paying attention. Probably I wouldn't have given my all. I probably felt too drained to do the things that I needed to do. Um, probably would have made a lot of excuses. So I think I needed time to fix that portion of myself. Um, and then to go back on like the comedy thing and the drama, right? I, I was so, um, like I had the mindset that I can only do comedy, that if I did drama, I would only see Trina as like uh, a comical character, you know, or I would try to make her something that she isn't, you know, I would try to make her more me than more her. So I think I had to learn to also create character development for other characters. Um, so that time, those three years really showed me how to take care of myself and take care of a character. Mm-hmm. Wow. So uh, it was, I think, in late 2021 that GH started its search for Sydney's replacement after she decided to leave the show to focus on school. And, um, you know, in between uh, 2017 and 2021, you'd gone through what you told me uh, or you described to me as an awakening of self-discovery, which included a period of time where you thought about giving up acting. So um, can you talk a little bit about what led you to like, I guess, make that choice, but then change your mind and say, no, I'm not done with this acting thing yet. Yeah. Um, again, I kind of give credit to my mother um, because I, I, I really felt tired. I was so tired of this repetitive cycle uh, again and emotionally my own my own problems that I was dealing with. I couldn't I couldn't seem to get my headspace out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, I just need to let everything go. And I actually, I remember one late night and I texted my mom and I'm like, I'm so sorry, but I got to stop doing this. I'm, I don't feel good doing this anymore. Um, I, I know we're not quitters. I know we keep going. I know we'll find and figure out ways to, to, to get over a barrier, but I don't think I can come over this barrier right now. I, I don't, I don't even see myself fully loving this right now. Uh, and I just kept saying, I'm sorry. And she called me and she was like, I'm sorry. You know, I'm sorry that you're feeling this way. I'm sorry that this is, you know, this is so heavy for you right now. She's like, if we need to take a break, your mental health comes first. If you need to, to um, just stop doing this, then we're going to stop. You have to come first. Your health comes first. Um, she's like, but I really think you should think about quitting, not quitting. Uh, I think you have a gift and I think you're special. And she's like, I think you're going to regret it if you stopped. And I was like, okay, I'll think about it. Um, and at the time I was in Atlanta, I was with my sister and she was in Texas. So once I flew back to Texas, when I flew home, I took some time to myself. And then, I don't know, a lot of a lot of stuff just started popping off. Like it started, like I got, I think I got uh, my first movie and then I got a play and then I got another movie and then it was General Hospital. So it was so interesting after I took that moment of like breath and I was like, okay, I'm gonna to try to get back up. I'm debating if I should say something. Um, I, okay, I have to say it in a later, later time in the later in the future. Um, but there was actually a moment someone was talking to me and she told me something 
that I really needed to hear. And that was actually the motivation for me to keep going too. Besides just my mother, like this person was like hitting it on the head when it came to like my career and my life. Um, and after I heard that, I was like, okay, I'm going to take a breath and then I'm going to get back into it. Um, and then after I started praying and meditating and doing yoga and really going through like the self-healing journey and the spiritual journey, everything's just started aligning for itself again. Like I lost my managers, they came back. Um, that's when I got the movie, my first movie, the play, which was a lead. I was like crazy, never thought about doing a play. Uh, and then I got another movie uh, and then it was General Hospital. And it was it was so fast how it happened. It was like boom, 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 right after the other. I couldn't even believe it was like in the same year. Um, and it, I felt like I transformed from this very, I don't want to say hollow, but it was a hollow. I was a, I was very hollowed um, to the to this. Or I'll say I was the seed that started beating into a flower. Um, and then it, I just grew from there, you know? So it was, it was so crazy. I couldn't even, I couldn't even really believe it myself that this was all happening in the same year and so fast. Mm -hmm. That's really amazing. And just amazing for you to have just even that perspective on it at your age. I mean, not, not to say that you can at that age, but like you're very mature for your age. <laughs> we'll say that. It's inspiring too. It like that, It really you know, is. That, uh, it, 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 there's a lesson there about how if you prioritize and invest in your mental health, mm -hmm. you know, good things follow. Yeah, it does. Seriously. Well, so then walk us through how General Hospital came back your way. So uh, normal day, I had an audition. Um, it was General Hospital. I was like, hmm, okay, cool. I haven't seen them in a minute. Um, I did the audition. Um, I thought I did a pretty good job. And I didn't hear from them for two months, right? Um, and now I know that they were going on their break. They they had like a a month. Uh, they had a they. I think they had a month break, but I didn't hear from them for like two months. Um, and I remember I was actually getting my hair braided, um, and I just started thinking, hmm, I wonder what happened to General Hospital. I guess nothing, right? And then ten minutes after that, I get a call from my mother, and she's like, General Hospital just called. Uh, you're doing a producer session. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's so funny because I was just thinking about it. I didn't think it was going anywhere, right? So we um, get everything packed up. We go to LA. We do the producer session. I go in there fully confident. I was like, I'm getting this one. I was, I, you know, trying to give everybody else their praise, but I felt very confident in myself when it came to this, you know? And I didn't know this was for Trina, mind you. I thought this was for... Trina's friend or sister or something like that. Like I thought they were going to add on to her life rather than it, you know, maybe Trina. Um, and I went into the audition room and I actually, I messed up on the line. This, like the same, I did the same thing I did the first time I did the audition. I messed up on a line, but I just kept going. And um, I was like, oh, I hope that doesn't, I hope that doesn't um, hinder anything. And I actually remember Mr. Frank, he goes, you have a very nice smile, very beautiful smile. I go, oh, thank you. <laughs> and then I walked out. Um, but I was, oh, all these emotions started coming. Um, I was like, I was crying this 
entire time that I was waiting for, no, not the entire time that I was waiting, because I think I was fine. And then, and then I think they told me I had a screen test. And that's when all of my emotions got heightened. And I was like, oh my gosh, I feel like I'm going to actually throw up just because <laughs> it wasn't like nervous. I didn't feel like I wasn't going to get it. I just kept feeling like change. I was like, I feel this change coming and it feels heightened. I was like, everything about me, everything that I've known, all, all that I'm used to is going to change completely. And I felt it. And it was making me, instead of like, I guess, excited, it was just, it was, it was making me cry. Like I had to, I had to let everything out. And I was just mopey for those couple of days until the spring test. And I'm, and I'm grateful that I was, and I did that beforehand instead of doing it there, because once I got there, because I let everything out, I was focused, you know, I was very prepared um, and I was very sure of myself. And when we did practice tests, I asked questions and I made sure that I had everything down pat. And when we did the screen test, the actual spring testing, it was my first time on the set. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is what it looks like on the movies. Like, you know, when they have like behind the scenes and they show you like all the lights and the sets or whatever. I'm like, this is what it, this is it. This is, this is crazy. Right. And, um, I go and I am about to do the test and Mr. Frank tells me, okay, you're going to go, you're going to pick up this cup. You're going to go to this table. You're going to put the cup down and then you're going to go back over there. I'm like, okay. Right. He says, action. I do it. I ended up going to the wrong table and they're like, cut. No, you're supposed to go to this table. I said, oh my gosh. So he did it again. He came back out. He said, pick the cup up, go to this, go to this table, um, put the cup down, come back and say your line right here. Right. I was like, okay. And I made sure to pick it up so quickly. Say my line, pick up the cut, go to the table, put the cup down, go back, say the line. Boom. Done. And everyone goes, good job. Right. <laughs> I said, good job. And they they actually like coming up to me and they're saying, you did a great job. You did a really good job. Right. And I'm like, they, they for sure say that to everybody. They have to say that to everybody. Right. I get off the set. I'm going downstairs to the to the um, dressing room and I see this man walking towards me. He goes, hey, you're going to be my daughter. And it was Riel who plays Tiger. And he comes up to me and he takes a picture. I'm like, does he know something? Because he just said, like, I'm going to be his daughter. And there were these girls that were the other girls that were auditioning too. their doors were wide open. He could have gone to any one of them, but he decides to, like, come up to me. And mind you, before this, uh, Curtis, uh, Donnell Turner, he comes up to me. And uh, when we're doing our practice and he's like, you got this down pat. This is you. Right. So the, it was like if they knew something, if I knew like it was already felt very definite. Um, and I, I I just felt like that whole moment was a fever dream. But it was really cool. It, it was a, an experience that I'm going to remember forever. Well, I have to say, I, I remember speaking to Donnell and Terrell and they both felt it from you, like that you were Trina, you know, they, they both felt very strongly. They didn't have any special insider information. It was just based on what you brought that where they had like a deep knowing this was meant for you. That makes me feel good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank you. Thanks. <laughs> so do you remember what it felt like to find out that you got the job? Uh, yeah, I was actually really chill about it. <laughs> I was like, 
Yay, that's so cool. So exciting. My mom was the one that I was like, <laughs> <laughs> she was so excited. I think she was more excited than I was. Um, I think I just, I again, I, having that moment before where I was just like crying and hope and just being moody or whatever, I think that was my excitement, my nerves, my happiness, my sadness, everything, like everything in one. So like when it actually, when they actually told me, I was just like, hurrah. (laughs) (laughs) Hurrah, indeed. Um, Well, you told us about Raelle and Donnell. So what was it like when you met Brooke Kerr, who plays Trina's mom, Portia? Brooke is so amazing. I remember she came up to me and just one of the most warmest people um, she really made me feel at home and like if I was her own daughter and she she asked me before and she's like do you mind if I like fit switch you a little bit or when I, I was like no I'll go ahead and fit if you got a fit you know so <laughs> she started giving me hugs and she had my hand and she told me how everything um, is supposed to go down and uh, she was just so welcoming and every time that I see her we're always like and like give hugs and kisses and I love her to death. She's amazing. So you stepped into the role at such a pivotal time in Trina's life with her arrest for releasing the sex tape of Jocelyn and Camera. She was, of course, innocent. She had been framed by Esme. What do you remember about like that first day or that first week on the show where you just had so much heavy material to get through and everything was foreign to you? You know, these people, these names, these scenarios, these sets. Yes. Um, I lost my mind for like a second when I first started getting all the scripts because it was like stacks. It was like four 60 page scripts that I got on like a Friday and have to learn by Monday. And I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I had a acting coach at the time who was trying to show me the way and like, hey, you know, this is what you're going to do. This is the plan. You're going to look at all the scripts. You're going to read each one of them and you're going to focus on the first one. And then the next day you're going to focus on the next one. And then the next day you're going to focus on the next one. And that's how you're going to keep the pattern. up. I was like, okay. So I felt very solid in my lines. Once we got to the um, set, once I actually got there, I was kind of, um, I was like a little nervous, but I was really confident about the situation. You know, I, I practiced enough. I studied enough. And um, I was just like, we're just going to we're just going to do this. This is like if I was doing an audition at home, you know, this is a comfortable space, comfortable place. And uh, to have someone like Eden McCoy there as well, who's been there for so long, um, seeing her, someone who's close to my age, do this actually helped a lot. Um, I was like, okay, she can do it. I can do it. We got this. And she was very friendly, very funny. I love her. but she doesn't, I don't know if she even really knows that her just doing her helped me so much, you know, her just being um, confident and funny and assertive and, you know, being such a, a boss girl herself. Uh, I was like, okay, I got it. You know, it helps with the confidence. Yeah. Well, of the group that you were working with, um, you know, including Eden, William, Nicholas and Avery, you know, who would you say you headed off with first? That's a hard question. We hit it, we all hit it off in like different areas. Um, like Eden and I, let's say within the first month, Eden and I hit it off straight off on set because I kind of, I spent a lot of time with her. She was the person that I spent most of my time with. 
So whenever we got together, it was just always like jokes and funny and like, she would always say she feels like she's in a twilight zone. So I I, I loved her for that. And then Avery and I, we uh, hung out outside of work and we would go hiking and eat and stuff like that. And she kind of was somebody that felt familiar because we're both from the South. Um, so we could both relate on a lot of the same things. Um, and then uh, Nick and I, we he actually came to my uh, dressing room. And he introduced himself to me and he asked me how I was and how I felt to be there. And um, I was like, thank you for introducing yourself. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think at the time we got to really see each other, um, but he was super nice to me. Um, and then Cam and I, we got, we didn't get to see each other a lot, but when we did, we talked about music, um, we talked about school and stuff like that. So it was, it, it was great. Well, these terrible legal troubles were a dominant theme for the first leg of your time as Trina. And as you know, as we all know, she was put into that situation with her future on the line because of the devious actions of Esme, just reiterating, my girl was framed. Uh, what were the toughest scenes for you like during that storyline and, and what made them particularly challenging? Because you were just called upon, I think, to show so many complex shades to the scenario. Yeah. Um, I think it had to be the courtroom scenes because it wasn't like if I'm trying to defend myself. I'm trying to defend myself who has made evidence that I did something I didn't do. And then on top of that, I'm starting to have feelings for somebody else. And then on top of that, the love of my life, I'm feeling some torpor, some some type of betrayal from because he's not on my side. He's on this uh, his girlfriend's side, but you know I don't know that he's you know planning something. But I feel so betrayed by that. I feel so betrayed by him because he's saying that I did do it. Um, and then also trying to keep myself, I guess, calm in those situations, trying to make sure that I'm you know making sure I'm good. Um, so that was kind of a little difficult for me to figure out at the time, just because I'm like, this is a lot of emotions and this is a lot to carry because not only I, I won't say I was calm. I won't say that at all. Cause I was freaking out. Like I was freaking out. <laughs> I was freaking out. I, I think in my own head, I wanted to stay calm, but really in reality, I was freaking out. Um, so that was all a lot to juggle. Uh, and try to manage to hone in one, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, in previous interviews with Digest, you've talked about how you feel like you sort of became a completely different actress over the course of your first six months of the show. So can you talk about what you see as having changed and what you feel brought it about? Yeah. Uh, I think because of all the work that I was doing and the perspectives that I was getting while doing my work, because, you know, when you're acting, you have to become a different person, in a sense. So I was becoming a different person and I was putting my shoot my feet in somebody else's shoes. I was walking in somebody else's shoes. So I was seeing things in a different way than I would for myself. I was seeing things through Trina's eyes rather than my own eyes, you know, and it adds a lot to do with unconditional love and being there for people and and family and friends. Um it was teaching me a lot in my own life, you know, 
there were certain things that Trina would do that I don't think I would have necessarily done, but living through her eyes, I see why she did it, which is something I've carried on for my own self, you know? And then also because of mental state, right? We're gonna go back to that for a second. I was afraid that I might slip back into a depression, you know? So I was like, what are the steps that I need to take in order for myself to not slip back, to not go back into that, into that state of mind? Um, and that required me to getting up at four o'clock in the morning and praying and doing yoga and making sure that I'm on top of myself while also doing my scripts. And um, it's like trying to find that balance of both of like work and myself, you know, and and really being disciplined on that, you know, and not swaying on it. And I think that kind of altered my mind a little bit because it showed me how much I care for myself, you know, um, so. And then also it was the people that I was meeting to. I think and there's so many people on the cast and I got to talk to so many different people and hear their perspective of not only the show, but their life in general. And I think that was another thing that was put into place where I felt like I was just changing so much, like my, my um, mentality and viewpoint on life started to grow in a different way, you know? So uh, as you've had, I guess, all these mentors at General Hospital, in a way, there's a very key mentorship in Trina's life uh, relationship that's very special on camera and special to the fans. And that is uh, Trina and Ava's relationship. Uh, so tell us about your off-camera dynamic with Mora and also working with her. Mora is great. I always say she's so real. She's so raw. She's just herself. And... I love how she views life. I love how she views people. I I love how she views her work because it's very passionate and it's very just like there. It just, you know, she gives it her all. She can take a scrumple, a scrumple, a, a simple script and make it into the most extravagant thing you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> um, and I think that's mostly due to just her herself who is a very extravagant woman um so i love her she's amazing mm -hmm. well i love the dynamic between the two of you yeah um now in february trina was thrown a major curveball when she found out that her mother had been keeping a huge secret from her her whole life and there was a possibility that her biological father was curtis not taggart so the confrontation scenes between you and brooker were so strong um, what were they like for you to film? I mean, I know you've said it was a little difficult for you to go so hard at Brooke and to have Trina talk to her mom the way she did, but they were incredible. Yeah. Thank you. Um, actually, those had to be, these, those scenes and then another scene that just came out with Spencer and I, those have to be like my two favorite scenes that I've done. Um, but I, <laughs> I got lucky. I, I think I got lucky because... Um, we were supposed to shoot it one week and because of like some technical difficulties, we couldn't shoot it. So we had to do it the next week. And so I was like, oh, yes, I got more time with it, you know. So I felt like I got to marinate a little bit more. And I really felt like that was the biggest blessing from God. Like if I didn't get that another uh, that other week to to marinate on it, I don't know if it would have been as as potent as it was. Um, but those scenes. uh hurt me. Um, I don't like seeing people cry. 
I don't want to see. I just, I, my heart hurts because I'll start crying. And I felt so bad for um, Portia Brooke because she just had to cry the entire time. Like she was just sitting there when we we're on our break. She was just like bawling. Her eyes were just watery that entire time. And, you know, we kind of kept our diff distance away from each other before going on set. And we didn't necessarily have to talk about that. I think we just kind of innately knew, like, you know, we just need, a, we need to create this tension. And by doing that, we're gonna, you know, uh, keep our distance and stay away from each other. Because um, once we got up there, it was just like havoc, you know, um, and I really enjoyed those streams. Mr. Frank was there, so he kind of gave us a little bit more push if he felt like we could do a little bit better. And he'd be like, just give it, just eat it, eat it, just eat it up. <laughs> so he <laughs> was extra, extra push. So I love those scenes. Those are those are my favorites. As, as well, you should be very, very proud. Uh, so Trina has been, you know, like a little bit distracted lately with uh, trying not to die at Victor's hands. Yeah. But uh, how do you think she is sitting with this question around her paternity now that she's had a few months to marinate on it? Like, do you think she might change her mind about wanting to know definitively? Uh, yeah, I think so. Especially when you don't know what's going to happen to your life, you know? I think when you're in a state where anything can happen, you start thinking about the what ifs. You know, you start thinking about all the things you could have, should have done. Um, and because there's a life and death aspect, you want to know as much as you can. And I think that if if there was a possibility for Trina to get out of the situation now, the first thing she would do was is go and find out who's her father. You know, she wants that answer to be answered. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely think she's having second thoughts about it, I, I, for sure. Mm -hmm. Well, earlier this month, you made your Nurses Ball debut performing the middle opposite Eden McCoy, doing a fantastic job. Um, now, how did you find out you'd be singing and what was the process like? And were you nervous? Yeah, <laughs> so um, I was actually just minding my business, you know, just on set. Mr. Frank comes up to me. And he goes, can you sing? And I go, um, yeah, I can hold a toe. I can hold a note. And he's like, okay, I want you to sing at the nurse's ball. And I'm like, okay, sure, I'll do that. I didn't know necessarily what the nurse's ball was all about. I just heard a lot of things about it. I thought the nurse's ball was just, you know, something outside of the show that, you know, maybe the production does and not general hospital, the show does. Not the case at all. Um, he, Mr. Frank told me that we were going to sing Boy Is Mine at first uh, with Brandy and Monica. And I was like, okay, um, I think we can try to do that one. And then they're like, no, actually, we're going to do levitating. And at first I was like, levitating? What happened to Boy Is Mine? Because I was practicing Boy Is Mine. So then they said Levitin. I was like, oh, dear God, I got to do it. I got to, okay, gotta, okay. At least I know this song. At least it's not going to be too hard to learn because this song was a song that I listened on, listened to on repeat. Um, so everybody was so excited for that song. We had a dress rehearsal for that one. Um, we were preparing for that one. And then they said, hey, I got something to tell you. Um, actually, we're going to do the middle. And me and Eden were like, what? 
the metal, what happened to levitating? We couldn't get the rights to levitating. But I was so nervous to sing the metal because I felt like there were so many, like, I forgot who sings the song, but the girl who sings it, her voice is immaculate. Um, and she has so many different ranges. And I feel like my singing voice is a little bit more R&B than pop. So I was so nervous to to try to take on that song. But once we started, I was so excited. Um, there was a point in time where I used to love singing and dancing. And then because of some very interesting friends, they told me I couldn't sing nor dance. So I just completely stopped. And I was like, well, I guess I can't sing or dance. And so being put back into this environment, I forgot how much I loved it. Like it, it was so much fun to record. And even though I felt like I sounded <laughs> like a deaf cat, um, <laughs> I felt like, you know, this is so much fun. I want to do this more often. I don't care what I sound like. I just love doing this. And then doing the dance rehearsals as well. I was just like, this is it. This is my function. I want to do this all the time. So I really want to get back into singing and dancing classes because it just it freed it freed so much. I think that that was also another thing that has helped me grow like realizing that I love doing that um, freed something in me. And I had a theory. I might have shared this already, but no, I don't think I have. My theory is that everything or anything that you feel like you're not supposed to do is actually the things that you're supposed to do. You know, the things that people discourage you not to do are the things that you're most likely supposed to be doing. And I felt like I had things tell me I couldn't do it so I couldn't feel or reach my fullest potential. And that that moment really showed me like, you know what, I'm going to do this. And this feels like my purpose. This feels like another level of it. Take that. You know, interesting friends. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and on a shallow note. Obsessed with you in hot pink. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> so, uh, saving the best for last. Let's let's get let's get a little deeper into some Sprina. Yeah. So, of course, Sprina is the squish name. Spencer and Trina, the mega popular young love story that you are part of on the show. Why do you think this pairing has been so popular, and and what about it do you think resonates so deeply with the fans? Um, first, I think because. I don't want to start off with race, but I'm going to start off with race because of the interracial relationships, the interracial relationship. Um, I think having a black woman and Hispanic man get together in the way that we're getting together uh, is not seen often. And when it is seen, it's like you just kind of want to hold on to it, you know, because sometimes it some interrelation interracial relationships can be seen as negative or unwanted, but the people that are actually in interracial relationships, they're like, we want to be represented too. We want to be seen as well. We want to be loved. We want to show our love and see it on screen. So I think uh, for Trina and Spencer, that that is probably why it's so popular. And then the other is the slow burn. There's so many things that have been keeping Trina and Spencer apart and things that have been um, keeping them back. And, but you can feel that tension of love and you can feel that, that desire and want from both of them. Um, but because of circumstances, there's so many things that have been resisting that. And I think the audience just wants them to be happy. You know, they want this young couple, this young love to just flourish. 
you know? Um, and then also, I think it reminds them a little bit of maybe Luke and Laura as well, um, to have a, a couple as great as Luke and Laura. I mean, I don't know if anybody can really top Luke and Laura because you say General Hospital and the first thing everybody thinks of is Luke and Laura, you know? So I think it also brings that back into play, having that um, nostalgic feeling of this couple that's, you know, loving each other, but there's so many things that keeps them apart and they come back and forth and back and forth. And there's like this tug of war between them. Uh, I think that might be another reason too. Mm -hmm. Well, certainly that has been a running theme in a lot of the emails I've received that it is reminiscent to fans of Luke and Laura's uh, origin story as well. Um, so when you started working with Nick Chavez, who plays Spencer, did you feel pressure to sell the chemistry, knowing that the eyes of the Sprina fans were on you? Mm, not when I first started, because I don't think I understood the gravity of it. Um, I just wanted to just do a good job. Um, but I had I knew like I knew Sprina was big, but I didn't I didn't know what it was doing for people. I didn't think it was like, you know making them cry or hurt or like feel like these intense emotions. I, I didn't know what it was really doing. Um, I started to really understand literally recently, probably like November-ish. Um, it was recent. It was a recent time where I understood. And maybe even, maybe really I understood it once the magazine came out because I'm like, they're saying this is the next generation. This is the new generation. And we're right next to Luke and Laura, you know? Um, the gravity of that, I think, after seeing it in, in stores and in airports and stuff like that, I think I was like, wow, this is really huge. And then I also got to talk to some of the fans. I don't like calling them fans. They're like family at this point. Um, I got to talk to them and get their point of view. And they told me what this meant to them and how this feels for them, you know? Um, and I think that was another thing that just helped me grasp it. I'm very lucky to be here. <laughs> well, I feel like every week that they're on screen, the needle moves for fans and they have to re-rank what their favorite Sprina of scenes of all time are, but like what's currently topping your own list? What we just did, um, where Trina's like, I'm ready to get down and dirty. <laughs> You're paraphrasing the scene, as I recall it. <laughs> uh, I think those had to be my favorite, just because the the um, intensity and the gravity of what's going on is so high. And Trina's mindset is like, I just want to make sure that you know that I love you and you are the only person that I want to be with. So much so that I'm willing to lose my virtue. Um, or give it, whichever you want to say. <laughs> um, but I love those scenes. I loved how they came out. They are, they are so cute to me. Like I keep watching them. I usually don't want to like rewatch certain things. I'll rewatch myself to like study, but like to rewatch, to actually enjoy myself. This sometimes I'm just on YouTube, just rewatching that one. Cause I just, I'm like for the first time seeing it as like a viewer and thinking, oh my gosh, they look so cute together. You know, so I love those scenes. Those were great to me. They were they were wonderful. Absolutely. Um, now we've talked about how you and Nicholas put in the work to make sure that Spencer and Trina's first kiss was worth the wait. Um, now, can you describe what the two of you talked about when it came to how you wanted to execute those scenes? 
Yeah, so we we went through like hours worth of hours worth of studying and trying to figure out what to do. Um, we wanted it at first, like maybe this was supposed to be kind of like fiery and passionate and, and bordering sexy, um, you know? And then we're like, mm, no, this, this is their first kiss. Maybe this is more sweeter and passionate and soft, you know? Um, and gentle just because of the situation that's going on as well, you know, just finding out that my dad may not be my dad. And then him coming from his own situation, like this is a moment of just, I'm here for you, you're here for me. Let's just be close. You know, we tried it multiple different ways. We actually tried to like standing up and then we tried it sitting down on the floor. And then we tried it where I was like sitting on his lap and he's holding me and stuff like that. So we tried it multiple ways to see and figure out what um, would fit better? Um, I I love how they came out. They are they're so sweet, and I think they're very genuine. Absolutely, it's like one of the greatest first kisses I've seen in a good long while. Well, thank you. And just shout out to GH for setting them at the gallery, which is exactly where they should have been. Um, well, so what did it mean to you to see online how crazy the Sprina fans went over that moment, knowing that you really delivered? on all that anticipation. Yeah, it was, um, it's, I don't wanna say it's what I expected, but it was what am I, it, <laughs> it what I expected. Um, like I could not go on my Twitter without seeing a picture of Nick and I kissing or like a steal of those moments and like videos. It was like for a good week, it was just, just that. Um, after a while, I was just kind of like, okay, I think I need to take a break. <laughs> You know, it's 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 when I'm the youngest of six and I have siblings. Um, and so it's interesting being the baby of the family and they're seeing you kind of like in an intimate moment with a boy. Um, it's, it's a little like, oh, Jesus. Oh, <laughs> I'm really I'm really nervous if there's going to be like more, you know, like. And like a really intimate scene, I'm going to have to tell everybody to turn off their TV <laughs> and, and do not go on social media because I know that is going to be a different breed than this. Yes, totally. <laughs> um, now, Spencer and Trina are now Victor's hostages after Trina stowed away on the Haunted Star. So are you having fun getting to do some of this action adventure stuff? And is there anything you could tease about where the story's going? Yes, I'm I'm so excited. This is something that I've always kind of wanted. I've always imagined myself doing something actually. Um, so I just feel like I'm getting a little taste of it right now. Um, so I'm, I'm having so much fun. I get to like duck and hide and like be on Snoopy and stuff like that. <laughs> um, but what's coming up is very big. I'm very excited. It's not what people are going to expect at all. Um, because when I read the script, it was not what I was expecting for myself. And I audibly gasped when I read it. Um, so very excited. Can't wait for people to see it. That's a great tease. <laughs> totally. So if by some miracle, they make it out alive and they make it back to Port Charles, what do you think you'd like to see happen next as they like kind of forge uh, ahead as a as a now officially a couple I think I would love for them just to kind of go on they've had so much so much heightened emotions going on 
I think it would be nice to just see them be in love for a little bit and just kind of like go on dates and just have cute normal conversations and maybe Trina picks out his clothes for some reason be like I'm gonna try this sweater on because I think it's gonna look cute on you or whatever um, um I don't know just something cute something light something a little simple and then and then we can start back in the motions and the Goshens again exactly um, let be there for a minute yeah, yeah. um and now before we let you go as you look back on your year plus on the show can you sum up what it meant to you to get this job and to have so much fan support behind you as you bring Trina's journey to life yeah it's mean a lot to me I uh, I say it all the time I do not take this job lightly at all it has helped me and I say even saved me in so many different ways um it has given me different perspective give me different outlets outlets um made me believe in myself. It's given me courage and confidence, um, self-awareness, discipline, and determination. I am so grateful. I feel like God has blessed me so much in this. And I love everybody that is supporting me. I appreciate them because also without them, I don't think I would have this much recognition either. So um, I'm just always grateful, always thankful. This has just been so amazing getting to know you. I am just so impressed by the person you are, never mind what you've brought on screen. Um, and I just look forward to seeing what's next with you, Taviana. And thank you so much for all your time today. Thank you so much. Thank you all for having me. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to Taviana Ali for being our guest. If you like this podcast, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to pick up a new issue on sale now and come back next week for another podcast.